actually lift off because take off would be a hoser Canadian thing to say. Hey, Ron, take off, eh? <laughs> Which is good. It's a friendly. It's a friendly gesture. I'm gonna go. Sorts. I'm gonna go out and get my toque. <laughs> we saw some boats today. <laughs> go out in the boat. Uh, we're out in the boat in the mountains today. You're gonna ask your mum. What are you gonna ask my mum? Your mum. A boat. A toque. <laughs> I can get you a toque. Leave that up to me. You want pom pom on top or not? muskox toque? I need down payment for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently we need some muskox socks as well. So day three. Day three for wild and exposed dudes having fun in the Rocky Mountains was a good day. Great day. Great day. Yeah. It started it started great and, and then we had a great finish. I like that. I like starting. Yeah, it was a good day. Beautiful weather, right? We had all we had sunshine, clouds, maybe a couple drops of rain, but absolutely nothing to complain about. Comfortable, not too hot. So animals are moving around more. You know, I heard mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago there was a heat spell, uh, despite it only being May then, and it had shut down a lot of activity for bears and larger animals. So this week we've been fortunate with good temperatures, and and we and also for us, I mean, there were fewer insects, and we could get out and yeah. hike and. And uh, still be comfortable. Yep. Very. So this morning we did that. We went up, as we mentioned in yesterday's podcast, to follow up on that, uh, up a new route, uh, back mm-hmm. road up a mountain valley to some high country, a boreal forest just below the Alpine, and hiked along some streams. And at the very beginning, um, it was cool to look in the river and see the uh, rainbow trout. Absolutely, yeah. They, they were full-on spawn activity it looked like and they look huge but on the res when you look at them in the water they're probably a lot bigger than if you pull them out of the water you've got that optical yeah yeah but they're big fish yeah so that was a fun to start to see and watch them for a bit in in the mountains and just take in the morning light and then we uh, set off on a, on a hike along the river and how we were able to do that. And I, I mentioned it in the video clip on some of our other social media platforms people will be able to enjoy, um, is that the game trails often follow water courses, right? Some mm-hmm. animals will traverse them, but really not, not often. They prefer when they hit a fast moving body of water like this mountain river, they'll work along the shore and that creates a game trail, which makes it easier for us to hike along as well. Cause when you have moose walking it for 25 years, it's a decent path. It's like a highway. It's a wild animal highway. (laughs) (laughs) So the guys from Wild and Exposed took it (laughs) with our packs, and we didn't know what we'd find. We were hoping to be able to see all kinds of wildlife, moose being one of the interests. Um, And it wasn't long into the hike that we we left, uh, went up a little bit above the the river and, and found a spruce grouse. Yeah. So there was, and that that was one of the things that I was hoping to see. That was on um, your list. That was on the list, yeah, because it, it's a species that we don't have in Wyoming, and I'm a grouse guy, so I'm hoping to get the opportunity to photograph a spruce grouse, and fortunately, that came to fruition. Didn't it? He did in a good way, right? In a, in a great way, yeah. He, the light down near the river where we were at, it it was a little bit thicker area, so the light was coming through kind of in slivers, and the fortunate thing with this guy was that were you able to, he he moved himself into some of those slivers of light and it just turned into a great shoot. 
he was up in the tree a couple times and and came down and then uh but when he'd move into those slivers of light they are a striking bird actually mm. very small much like the blue grouse not not very wary <laughs> they're very tolerant and uh in fact i think came right at you at one time oh they're the most tolerant grouse that i have ever worked in and typically they're that way right um mm-hmm. especially after 10 15 minutes in the bush with them and we're in this mature uh, boreal forest so it's all this moss yeah. undergrowth and there's these tall spruce trees but um, really where we're walking there's not a lot of there aren't many branches so it's open enough right and so we're able to move around and yeah after about 10 or 15 minutes the bird acclimatizes and most spruce grouse behave that way and 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 it's funny because we'll get ahead in in position to favorable side for lighting and get ahead of the bird and it might be 20 yards ahead and, and just kind of stop and the bird's watching and it's like okay it's all right starts nibbling on the right on starts the to feed again feed and, and comes right toward and decides yeah well just walk right past you you're okay buddy <laughs> yeah. it's like two feet away and for what i was doing uh, for those short stories to to highlight those points of the hike and those experiences i was using the osmo with the smartphone for that recording and it does not have the telephoto capabilities of our standard equipment right right so it's a challenge right. to make that kind of video and this guy cooperated perfectly you know walked right over yeah it was fun and and yep. that kind of interaction is always a thrill with any wild animal oh, yeah, these birds sure. are beautiful and, and i've on my instagram feed i i had posted um sometime probably last spring a, a picture of a male spruce grouse and I, I i claimed that these dudes think they have the sexiest eyebrows in the world and they they have these <laughs> they may. brilliant yeah. red <laughs> feathering above their eyes you know so yeah they're pretty yep. weird so that was fun and we were we were with him for i don't know 20 or 30 minutes at least yeah yeah so were they the ones we were talking about in wyoming that will peck at each other and try to pull out the no that's uh sharp tails oh okay so they'll take the, they'll try to take the try to take those combs off the eyes yeah yeah i don't think anybody touches these combs <laughs> <laughs> They are too sexy, these birds, for their own good. <laughs> so it was fun to photograph. But just being in that forest, so and, and something else that we were documenting while filming the spruce grouse was the amount of moose sign in there. Oh, yeah, tons. All kinds of tracks, You couldn't move beds, probably five yards without finding another either bed or or some moose droppings. And, uh, and then, of course, you find different little pathways, different trails. And as we started to kind of find that bedding area, just just toward the river from where the spruce grouse was, there was kind of a thoroughfare cut through down there. And at one point, um, heard some movement of some kind, but it didn't uh, didn't come to fruition just then. No, no, that wasn't a moose. That was I got yeah. it, it was a Sasquatch. We I didn't want to say anything because <laughs> I didn't get the picture to prove it. And I know like the right. giant fish I often catch, people don't believe me unless I show them the proof, right? So he right. disappeared behind the tree and it's gone. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there was a lot of sign and those moose, it just shows how smart moose are. I mean, wasn't that what, if you want to take a nap in the daytime, how about that moss right. forest floor, right? And that's, you know, photographing grouse in Wyoming is a, is a lot different story. You're crawling along and you have to worry about cactus as you found out. I heard we about there. it. I know. Yeah. First. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, yeah. And, uh, photographing on those moss beds is pretty nice. You can get nice and low, get down in a nice comfortable bedded position and get the shot at eye level 
I don't I don't think you realize I did get a photo of you in, in almost a prone position photographing the grouse and uh, you look quite comfortable. Oh, you were awake though. I, I, would, I, I uh, didn't get the blink <laughs> so I could say you were sleeping. <laughs> right. So then we pressed on and we found uh, a rock um what would you say just a slope with all kinds of boulders and rock and shale along it and we found hoary marmots in there. Mhm. Uh, further along the river and at first i wasn't sure whether we'd get photographs of them but you know given all of their little exit routes around all these boulders and rocks and it went on for i don't know 100 yards right oh, you say? at least yeah 100 yeah. and maybe 200 50, yards 50 yards high up this slope yeah in places so yeah. it would be like a hoary marmot palace <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it was the royal those were the royal hoary marmots because it was huge, and they could pop up right. anywhere, and they had all these little holes, obviously, between the boulders and disappear. So they were mm-hmm. turned out after being there, hoping to photograph and film them for, again, about 15 or 20 minutes. They just relaxed, was standing there, and started popping out of these holes, and quite close to us, because they knew they could disappear in a blink. Yeah, and Mike, you had some success with the video with those guys, too, Got didn't some you? video. There was plenty of... It's a little hard because you don't know where they're going to pop up. So getting the focus. So I'd have to wait till they popped up and either slept on a rock or, you know, posed on a rock. So I don't have any really graphic, like, chasing or anything like that or popping out or anything. (laughs) But that kind of problem exists with the stills, too, because you never know where they're going to end up. But it's a lot faster. You can still get some cool shots with the still cameras. Yeah. But you got the classic shots on on these, on these boulders, and some of these boulders had interesting texture and color to them as well. It's yeah, just the lichens like, were there was several colors of lichen, and there was like a reddish tinge to some of these mm-hmm. rocks. So it wasn't just this gray. I I thought it was, you know, some of them were created great photogenic kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Well, and the cool like, thing about the hoary marmot is they're they're that color. Right. So they blend yeah. right in with those rocks. Yeah, absolutely. So they'll st- sleep right on top of a rock because they look the same. So I don't mm-hmm. think they have to worry about raptors and, you know, whatever can get them. Although the whole time I'm in there, I'm thinking there's got to be a lynx rolling through here occasionally. Something's got to scare those marmots at some point, right? <laughs> Something. Patrol the palace. That would have been nice. Border. That would have. Well, Not no. that we needed to put a stamp on the day. No, but no, that we <laughs> talked about that on the on some of the drive today. You know, true. We hope for a lynx every single day. But I told Ron, you know, his first trip here, and we we're doing so well already, really, for the amount of content that we're able to share with our listeners and viewers. Right. But we have to just like in a fireworks display, keep our fingers crossed and have a grand finale. And what better would it be than a lynx on the last day? Uh, yeah. It's not probable, but we will keep trying it. And so <laughs> I'm I'm trying to uh, keep Ron calm on the links and selling him what's going to happen the last day. That would work. That would work awesomely. I, yeah. I would that or it. a wolf to end the day. To end I mean, the end day, the week. End the trip. Yep. So then we also, we it, with all this moose sign, so then we did see a moose and, and we're able to get some pictures at toward the end of the hike as well and, uh, and then headed back out. A bit scraggly still. Yeah, it's springtime, right? So they're molting their coats. That should finish soon. And uh, now the elk that we've seen are pretty. Some of them are pretty well slicked. Pretty off. well slicked out. Yeah. Yeah, there's still a little bit of neck stuff that's right. hanging yeah. on, but they look really good, really slick. And we've seen the bulls. Now you saw a bull before we got here, right? 
the bulls usually are slicked out way before the cows. True. Yes. So mm-hmm. were the bulls looking good? We haven't seen a bull elk yet. Both, yeah, absolutely, or moose and elk, um, elk especially because they're in, they're in lower altitude, right? So everything warms up a little earlier. Right. I mean, uh, this morning, uh, uh, that's I just dawned on me now. At dawn, yeah, we did see some. Elk, there was yeah. frost and some dustings of snow up yeah. there in that high country. And for June fifth, you know that's something. So you know things are a little delayed up there. So that could explain the difference too between the elk and the moose as far as molting to spring uh, from, to summer coats from winter. Well, that's what I was gonna. I was gonna say at the very beginning, it was chilly mm-hmm. this morning. It, it was. It was it, clear it skies. It was a little cooler all day. And we walked out, yeah. and I, I immediately put a jacket on. Over the past couple of days, I haven't had to right. put a jacket on in the morning, but definitely this morning. And then as as we got higher in elevation, you def- I had one on all day. Mm. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, for sure. I even I had gloves on this morning. I had to shoot on June fifth with with gloves on. Did you really? Well, no. I wanted to be. I I wanted to be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> they were thin gloves. <laughs> we were out there for hours. So anyway, it, it was uh, it was a fun morning, and and not all again like any other hike in wilderness. Not what we expected necessarily, you know, with the marmots. And yeah. And then there, there was the other surprise with the marmots, with Ron sitting still for so long in that <laughs> golden mantled ground squirrel uh, helping assist him with his with his camera equipment. With just running over. The shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in the forest, just ran right over his shoulders and helped out momentarily. And <laughs> yours truly was close enough to, to capture some of that, which is going to look hilarious on some of our uh, social media feeds. That it's was, brilliant. That was an interesting experience. You felt it, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you could feel these little footsteps running across your shoulder. Tiny. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like the Harlem Globetrotters, you know, and the ball <laughs> spins all the way around the back of their neck and <laughs> okay, off the other go. arm. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's <laughs> was cool awesome. is being a wildlife photographer and being around wildlife all the time, you're, you're cool right. with it, right? You just know. You're better not you to know, A lot of people yeah. would. You know, it's like seeing a mouse in their house and they jump up on a chair and they're all scared <laughs> right. of a mouse, right? But these guys aren't going to do anything to you. You've never just... seen me do that, have you? No, not yet. Okay, okay. <laughs> there might be some mice in here, but but you were just to calm and then you had this cool little experience. If you'd have, yeah. like, got all Twitter-pated, it would have never happened. Right. Oh, he had held totally still, so it was great. And... uh the little squirrel didn't know what was going on. <laughs> it was just a, and he, you know, the outfit he was wearing just looked like another boulder along there, right? So he just piece run of, over. A piece of the rock, yeah. Yeah. I was actually waiting for a marmot. This marmot kept coming up, and I don't know what it was licking off this rock. Mike had a theory, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it was, if there was, you know, some kind of mineral that it was Must it was been. getting off, off the rock. Um, but he kept kind of popping up in this little cut between the two rocks and so i was i was leaning on the one boulder and here comes the gold mantle ground squirrel and stepped up on the lens first i think because i just i just froze stepped up on the lens and then on the arm and well you were leaning on a rock yeah right? i was yeah i was leaning so i didn't on see it on your lens i wish i'd been able to capture that too yeah, but i saw it spin around your shoulders so stepped like, up and was checking the aperture make sure i had right. the settings correct right. and and then uh, stepped up on my left arm and came all the way around well i'll tell you for those that see it you, you'll think that he is your assistant because he's on your <laughs> shoulder looking this way looking that way right. it's okay ron okay i know i know you know the marmot's coming up harry the marmot's about to pop up and okay get ready get ready and in three two, two <laughs> one 
<laughs> yeah, that no. was a, that was a neat experience. I've had birds land on me, but I can honestly say that is the first time that I've ever had a ground squirrel or chipmunk or whatever you you know whatever species you're dealing with. If you don't catch it on social media, just go to the website and the show notes. Yeah, you got to see it. It's awesome, <laughs> and it's video. Yes, yeah. So, so it's, it's hilarious. Not, it, you get to see the, all the movement and everything. Yeah, yeah. It was it was fun. Yeah, I, I'm glad I was fast enough to get it. Me too. Well, I'm glad you figured out this Osmo, so you yeah, get it. I'm working all on it. dialed in. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun with it. I love the storytelling. I like taking people along, and there are some tricks and and some settings on this that I'm still getting dialed in. I did the time lapse. I love the fact that you can hike. You know, for whatever distance you deem and record it under time lapse and set it for that duration of movement, and then it speeds up the hike. So Okay, so is it doing it itself? So you're just telling it the time that it's going to record, and then it just knows how many shots? Or are you telling it how many shots a second? Or well, That's what I have to iron out. So there's a setting. You switch it to time lapse, and it does that. It says how, ma how many shots and for how long. And I just, for the first two attempts, since all, all I did today, I just start for the settings that were came on it i didn't try to adjust it then you know the one place was at the at the rock palace right. the hoary marmots and i walked for maybe just 100 yards to test it and it worked perfectly except it was way too fast it, re, it the time lapse made it look like i couldn't i no way i could have run that i was on a sport bike <laughs> through those rocks or i was in a helicopter it was so fast so I, i'm going to play with that to slow it down to a point but it'll be great because on some of these adventures, you know, whether we're paralleling caribou or hiking a mountain ridge, uh, for people to see what we did at, for over an hour, hike maybe, or not even, I guess I wouldn't record that long holding it up. But if it was for five minutes walking along the ridge, it would condense that and, and show the whole trail that we hiked. So I really like that aspect of it. And that's still something, like I said, I have to figure out the right, proper settings. Now, do, I have the Osmo 1, which has a little connector on it. So and it, they make a chest harness so you can... Right. attach it there you so go so you could do an hour does this one have a a, a way to attach it to something or is it just let's look at that so i i almost ordered that chest mount but i haven't yet because i wanted to verify it was also suitable for the osmo 2 i bought the stand so that we can plant it somewhere and you can and i don't i haven't figured so you can this set out. that time lapse to start here and go to here and well you can do that and it, and it automatically stitches things together too but you can also have a uh, facial recognition lock on the subject. So if, if oh, you're talking, right. you can position the Osmo at a suitable location and walk around it um, to give movement. Uh, so I have that. But, yeah, we'll we'll verify if it has the same mount because it, it would be great to put on the chest. And then, yeah, it would you could hike it for, the cool hour for an hour with the right settings and condense that to a 20 or 30 second time lapse and and let everybody come along on the entire hike or, or i think or, the only or, issue there is making sure your phone is going to last an right. hour <laughs> making sure you right. get the right. battery life yeah so that was a new thing on the osmo 2 that they didn't have on the osmo 1 it, so it's a supposed to be a much a longer lasting battery and there is a usb port on the side of the osmo 2 handle that will charge your phone oh yeah so you've got a battery pack in the osmo 2 essentially to back up your phone and what I've learned in these first two days of our journey up here and using this phone ex and the Osmo extensively is the Osmo does outlast the phone battery by a fair margin, at least so two or three times. So you probably go through three times on the phone for one charge on the Osmo. Right. So if you mm -hmm. double it up, you're at least going to get twice your phone time and for the Osmo. And some of these new phones, you know, um, 
I've got the 8 Plus, so it's got a bigger battery, too, and can last a little longer. Um, so that's something I thought about when wanting to get this set up. So anyway, so yeah, that's a good idea. I hope it will mount to the chest. And if not, they've got to modify it because the Osmo 1's no longer available. Right, there's so got to be something. So whoever made that chest mount will have to just tweak it. It was it was DJI. Oh, well, then it would it should work. Yeah, I just didn't look at it, so we'll at least we'll see. We'll compare them tomorrow. Okay, yeah, that'd be great too, because what I was doing on today's hikes is you know, I would just get it out at a suitable spot and walk with it for forty yards and and do the recording. And it looks great. Mm -hmm. Well, it works yeah, that way because you're talking to it. If it's on your chest, I guess it's just people going along for the time lapse ride, right? Right, and enjoying that. And in this country, it would be worth it too, up there for the mountain rivers and vistas and stuff. Wouldn't it be cool in the canoe too? If you were having to paddle, you could you wouldn't have right. to worry about running it. You could just have it going. Yeah. Yeah, and there's got to be clamps, you know, like with the GoPro. I would like if there's something like that too, because you could put it in front of you on the canoe, right? Or even off to the side, so it's just a little bit above the water. Well, you know, for the Osmo <laughs> One too, they have the suction cups, so you could put it on the outside of a car, and then they have this little oh really stick or a, like a monopod almost thing. And those are good suction cups, so when you hit, you know, thirty miles an hour, you don't see. There your was phone tests go. on the internet because I was worried about that, but these guys were doing sixty miles an hour down the road. Okay, a lot Bump. of them would tie it off. Just bumpy road or no a highway. Mm. Don't hit that pothole. Right. But, I, you know, it's got three suction. It's not like a typical one sure. suction cup like the GoPros were. It was three independent, and I think it'll work. Hmm. Well, I look forward to having all those diverse different mounts so that we can. it would just create even greater variety of content. And yeah, and better visual. storytelling opportunities. Yeah. The yeah. thing is we have to do is more – this is almost a behind-the-scenes of the behind-the-scenes, right? Because – you start getting all these gadgets, and I do it all the time with the video stuff. You know, what used to take 15 minutes, now you're spending 45 minutes setting everything up. Because now we're going to go to this mount. Oh, but before we do this, we got to go to this mount. And before we do that, we got to go to this mount. Yeah. So your time starts to add up. Right. But it's fun. Sure. And you got to get those shots these days, or else it's just a static video that everybody's be like, unless you have a bear in it or something, they're not going to be interested. Or a spruce grouse. Or a spruce grouse. <laughs> or a, a golden-mantled ground squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like the Osmo that you can just move and you can get those different perspectives. I can hold it way out to the side as I'm walking. It could be in front. It could be below in its sky and treetops. You know, with the moose tracks I was finding this, uh, and illustrating through the video this morning, some were small, some were old, some were new. I could put my boot beside it and then scan up. Um, you know, it's just all, all kinds of variety of perspective. Did you Much try some when you, when you guys were driving home? We I did. I played with it, but uh, we had such a successful shoot this evening that we'll get to um, that the light was low, and I noticed that it was it was freezing, the freeze framing as we were going because it couldn't keep up with the the low light mm -hmm. at that point of the day. Um, and then yeah. didn't you you had some focus issues as well, didn't you? You know, later on, or was, was that because you resumed? The focus issue happened when I switched to slow mo slow motion. Okay. Um, mode and again i i think that's was solely attributed to the low light uh, because i had done that earlier without any problem not well not while you were driving but um but just while walking and with mm -hmm. water and stuff it's been fine focusing so i think it was it was it was dusk so might have been asking and it was overcast dusk yeah right yeah yeah this evening was 
So that was a pretty exciting morning and uh, a lot of success and, and some fun close encounters with the grouse and the marmot and the ground squirrel and then and then the moose later and all the moose sign and just being in that country oh yeah too was awesome with the grouse did you get what you wanted you know i didn't get them displaying which i was kind of hoping for because they they are i mean they're striking just the way he was today just kind of feeding and in a relaxed posture but, but they have a really beautiful tail feather yeah their display right? it you know the blue grouse has a real pretty display and they fan their tail the same same way but these guys just just the color late? i you know i don't know because i i think you know as far north as we are i think there's a possibility that that they, they would, would be a little be bit going. behind but um he didn't seem to really have any interest no i yeah i was wondering that just being now june 5th i mean there should be some displaying going on at this point but there's yeah, there's that chance too that and you know, I've seen a, spruce grass in that area before. Yes. Have you ever seen a female down there? Yep. You have? Oh, yes. I've yeah. only ever seen the males down there. And that's okay. what uh, we actually had a conversation about that. If if there had been a female around, you know, that may have changed the game completely. Mm -hmm. But where he was just kind of, he was in the tree in some escape cover and then came down and started to feed. He was just relaxed doing his thing and didn't seem to have any interest at all. Well, I talked to another photographer, John Timmer. You know John, right? Oh, yeah. He got, he got him displaying in the fall. That's Yeah, the one I was talking about, well, I don't know if I mentioned it in this podcast, but we were talking earlier about it, it was fall too, yep. So you would think in you Alaska. could probably get him. But it, you know what it is? It's the same day length, so photo right. period triggers the males. And uh, the one I photographed in the fall was the bevy of females around him, and they were totally ignoring him, but he thought it was game on time, <laughs> and he was in love with all of them. And it was a great opportunity. I was surprised, and then I, you know, but it was it's a photo period, the same day length, yeah. so he thinks it's breeding season again for that short period of time. So that can Well, happen. the days are happen. long here. They are right. very long. <laughs> That's a fact. And we, go ahead. You know, you were asking, did I get what I want? He he put himself in some great light and just being down in that area that we were in with all that moss and man, it, it was I mean, any picture that you took, any composition that you made lent itself to a great photograph. So yeah, I have no complaints. So just wind the tape back two minutes and about the photo period thing it just dawned on me that you know we're n getting near the spring solstice spring or summer solstice june summer summer, summer solstice yeah i apologize um and but that's the longest day of the year mm -hmm. right so that would indicate that if the photo period in the fall matched the spring that most of the breeding it should, be, should done. be done and it would have been a few weeks ago it'd or probably more. be close to similar to wyoming mm -hmm. right right yeah very well could be so that might explain his relaxed uh, tail state of... But, you know, right. I think I've seen him, you know, down in that area, those same, I say yeah. him, but right. a male down there displaying in a tree one time. Okay. And well, we're always here about this time. Right. So... <laughs> could be. I don't know. Could we'll have. see. We should check it out a couple... It wasn't that far to get to you, so we could always check it out a no, couple yeah, more times. No, yeah, walk back in there easily. Well, and there's, you know, there's so much wildlife science especially for moose would be we still haven't seen a calf you know and that's along a waterway and that's often cows will birth near water for out of protection mm -hmm. 
more often on an island and that we can't access and that's you know there aren't as many predators that way but that's not to say if a calf was born a week or so ago she'd leave the small island along this river perhaps and cross to the mainland where we were so i don't mind going back through there and seeing what's going on but um sure that'd be fun who knows the right the right temperature could set them off for for yeah. a quick little strut absolutely so after that hike we we regrouped and uh had a bite to eat, had some lunch, and then... Possibly a... No, 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 I don't... Oh, it was a very short nap. Siesta. Very yes. Short. Well, much, I got one much yesterday. Much needed, yeah. And you guys got one today. Yeah. And then uh, you disappeared and went... And which made sense, because what you wanted to do was the coyote den that we knew about in not too far away, and uh, it was better for just one person, for minimal disturbance, as far as hoping they'd be out, you know... And and you with your video of greater distance, so how did that? It was turn good. Out? You know, you guys said that you got down there and they popped out, and you got some shots. We got we got a few shots yesterday. Yeah, right. Yeah, Ron and I went in, and but we only I I had hoped and and I still hope for this to get more than one coyote pup on the mound at at the den. So, so what I found playful. out was we only had one. So I expected them to just kind of either be out right. or come out pretty quickly, you know, because you figure they're going to be pretty active all day. Although you think about a puppy and you think how much they sleep. Right. So it's probably not it's uncommon for them to go sleep Fast for an hour and then down. go like crazy for 10 minutes and go back to sleep. And yep. so I sat in there and I, I told you guys earlier, I said, well, I'll just, the video camera does not start up very fast. It's not like if I see something, I can take a shot. It, the camera has to be on and rolling. So my gauge was is I'm going to put a battery on the camera, a brand new battery, and if I let that battery go and it gets to 30%, then I'm going to give up because I don't want to, if it if if they are still there, I don't want to disturb it too long. You know, I just want to get in and get out and get my shots. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, we'll start at 100%, and when the battery gets to 30%, if I don't see any activity, I'm I'm getting out of here. So at about 70%, I started seeing little ears popping up out of the right. out of the den, and I was I was in the yeah, I went off of you guys' description on where to go, and I didn't go quite far enough. So they were a little they were behind some brush. I mean, you'll see the video, but one popped good. out, another one popped out, and we saw two. Right when you originally found the den, there were two out. Yep. So I was just assuming two. So once I saw two, I was like, "Cool, we'll just see what they do." And they stayed out for, well, several minutes, and then another one popped out. And then I thought, well, three. And I just kept on shooting, and then another one popped out. So there's four. And that's all I saw. I guess there could be more, mm -hmm. but they were out for probably 10 minutes. That's awesome. Just playing around. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> great footage. And it just, I mean, it, you could see the pups clearly. Uh, the, yeah. Especially the two on the right and the one that came up in the mound, and they're checking everything around. The other two are playing behind a little bit of vegetation, but it shows... You know how concealed these den sites are, right? Totally. I mean, it makes yeah. a sense. It makes sense why they choose those locations. Picked a great spot. Yeah. yeah. And I've been doing this for a long time. It seems like finding a fox den is pretty easy. Finding a coyote den is not ever that easy. Right. I've always wanted to film one, and I've never really got a good chance. I mean, not that I didn't. That's not my soul. I think if you said that's what I'm going to do this spring is I'm going to find a coyote den, you could do it. Especially in a place like Rocky Mountain National Park yeah, or somewhere where, where there's, there's a lot of coyotes and they're not hunted and, and they're protected. Yep, yep. 
I bet you can find one. But I, I just figured, you know, you're going to stumble on one, and I never have. But we may have when we were at the rattlesnake den. Oh, that's true. We might have found one down then there. in the rocks, and I never made it back to put a trail cam in there to, to find out. But, yeah, that's as close as I've ever seen. I mean, there was definitely activity there. Yeah. But this one, yeah, what a what a beautiful spot. No, what was cool, trees. what I did see is, so the two came out and they were playing. The other two came out, and they were just kind of observing. They were like the lookouts. Mm. And then one crawled off the den and went and peed in this little spot. And went back up on the den. And then another one went to that exact same spot and peed. And went back up on the den. And the other one went down, exact same spot, and peed. They all, every one of them went and peed in this exact same spot. And I wonder if that's just, that's how they do it. They're almost like they're litter trained. Litter box. Yeah. Yeah. Where they know they're just going to put it away from the den. Uh, the den far enough, not far enough where they're in danger, but far enough where there's just a way in and out. You know, it'd be cool to go. I don't know. It'd be cool to observe that den every day for three or four weeks as they grew up. Yeah. Just to see what they do. And you could pretty easily, I mean, if you had the time, you could pretty easily fix a blind in there that you'd be completely concealed. Because, I mean, where you were at, where we were at yesterday, is pretty well concealed anyway. I think it'd be easy to stick a blind in there and just be there every day. Yep. Well, we'll have to try it a couple more days. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You also, I mean, when we approach this, we, we keep scent in mind, wind direction. Right. Right, so that it's not going to the den, because that, you know, they're not going to pop out then. And um, also what we're wearing blends into the trees and rocks, whether it's camouflage or whether it's something slate gray or green or brown, and then just minimal movement, right? I know that when we were there yesterday, um, I had to, s I sat down behind some uh, a small shrub and leaned up against a pine tree and had my lens up resting on my knee under my hand the whole time because mm -hmm. I, you know, quickly learned I couldn't go from resting position with my lens and lift it and expect them to stay there. Right. Uh, they even they pick up that movement. They're that so young yeah. and so small. I thought maybe they'd be a little naive and I could get away with that. <laughs> and they, you know, I could make a little squeak and they'd pop right back out, but no, you know, so I tried on the first one, slowly bringing the lens up and, and no, it didn't work. So I had to hold it, rest it on my knee, and it was fine. Uh, yeah, I did the same thing, Stan, and I just stayed behind a tree and just kept it resting on my hand. And so you didn't have any movement except maybe your head to the viewfinder, and that was about it. And that's the cool thing about the video camera is I, I'm on a tripod, right? So I don't have to move anything. And then this video camera I can run with my phone. So once I have it yeah. all dialed in and focused... You're not moving at all. I, all I have to do is touch some buttons on my phone, or you know, touch the screen on my phone. And then I've got on this a 10-second pre-record. So I can just, I don't have to record the whole time, but I can set that. So it's going to capture the previous 10 seconds from whenever I hit the button. Wow. So that way, if I did miss them coming out of the den, which I can't roll forever, and you don't know when they're coming out, <laughs> I just hit that pre-record. Really? Well, that's and then, crazy so, science technology. So once they, they can it. come out and be out for nine seconds... And if I hit it, it'll go back a second wow. before they came out, and I'll get it. Awesome. And I can set it for, like, 30 seconds. I can set it for 20. I can set it for whatever. Wow. You were using that pre-record when you were filming the, the marmots and the ground squirrels also, aren't you? Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're, like, you know, you don't know if exactly where they're going to come yeah, up. Yeah, but yeah. if they're coming up in a particular spot, yeah, I'll set up on that spot, and then I just hope that it's great for 
birds in nests, all that kind of stuff. Wildlife, it's great, you know, just because you just never know. Bears, when they're mm -hmm. sleeping or when they're just docile, and then you want to get capture them waking up. Or I do that all the time. Wow. It yeah. saves a lot of... I had not heard of that. My cameras don't do that. Well, for the low, low price of yeah. <laughs> a lot of money, you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, no, it was good. We got to hit that a couple more times. Oh, yeah. I, and I think we're staying far enough away... No scent, and I don't think they're going to go anywhere. Yeah, well, they yeah they haven't. It's it, they've right. got a good, good spot, and I think they know it. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty windy when I was not even windy. It was blustery. It was breezy. It was you know it would be high and then it would be low, and you know I was wondering if that was keeping them in the den a little bit more than usual too, just because there was lots of wind, and you know they don't like that. Right. They they want to be able to hear, hear so, smell. Know. So for the audio listeners, uh, we encourage you to go to the website and see these images. And but uh, to visualize this, this isn't a den out in out in an open field or in the grasslands. This is in a forest in the northern Rockies, and and a great spot with big boulders and lots of protective yep. vegetation and and mature trees around, just to help visualize it with a little sand mound. That's how. Ron spotted it, you know, just like somebody had gone in there with a shovel and dug up a little hole. But right. In the middle of it were coyote pups. Well, and I think if it was you and I, we'd have never spotted it, right? I think it's your, you work on so many dens with foxes and and stuff like that in Wyoming, yeah. you just are accustomed to seeing that, that look. And I guess I would have said, if I'd have saw that, I would have said badger. It just looked I would have thought fox. To me. Yeah. You know, I thought, yeah. but I didn't even see it. I mean, in... You know, we've been through that area a few times, so. Right. Yeah, it's good I think spine. it's just your, uh, you just got that keen, keen eye for right. that. Yeah, no, I'm not going to go with that, but. No, I Yeah, we do. were we were fortunate. So it was awesome that you got the footage, some yep. playful interaction and, and more than one pup at the den. So that's a great start. Hopefully there'll be more, but if there's not, I think it's it's a great segment, great clip. Yeah. Um, then we went, we all re re regrouped and went to up a mountain road again back road and to see what we'd find mm -hmm. and we found an eagle nest yep. and spent uh what was it be an hour and a half or so at a considerable distance because it wasn't, wasn't that accessible but <laughs> hoping that the the other mate would return to get right. some flight landing images and ron there was the one eagle there and how many eaglets and i had two eaglets yeah right. and and i got a couple shots of both eaglets up you know, and and the activity, the whichever of the pair that was actually in the nest at the time was, you know, moving some sticks around and and got some of that. But the wind was perfect. The wind and the light actually were perfect because typically they'll come into the nest and be coming into the wind, so that you know when they spread those wings, it'll slow them down and make the landing easier. And the wind was perfect. So I thought, you know, it's going to be coming straight into the light as it comes back up to the nest if if it returns. And at one point, she got real active looking up, looking around, and then started to call. And both eaglets popped up, and I thought, well, this is it. Waited and waited and waited. <laughs> Another 45 minutes or so. and Yeah, we eventually nothing. moved on because yep. of just time and the amount of daylight. But I want to right. quickly touch on you had a different setup again today. And it made total sense to me what you did. Yeah, so initially I thought uh, I switched 
the uh, D850 because you've got that big sensor and you can crop, have a little bit of crop factor. And then I also put a 1.4 teleconverter on the 600. Had it on a tripod um, because you're, you know, with that much range, y you can't have any movement. So I had it locked down on a tripod. And I took a couple images and then just kind of looked at it. And with the with the teleconverter, you do lose a little bit of sharpness. And so I wasn't really happy with with what I was getting there. And I wanted to make sure that if, you know, first of all, if the bird did come in, I didn't want it to be out of the frame. I didn't want to clip any wings or anything like that. So I decided to take the teleconverter off and just go with the, the 600. And it it did make a big difference in the in the sharpness of the images that I was getting. And I, granted, that was just on the back of the camera. Uh, but it also gave me a little bit more space. So if, you know, if that mate did come back and you've got full wing extension when it's coming up to land or, you know, hopefully it's coming back with a fish or or something like that, um, you're not going to clip anything. You're not going to lose anything. You've got, you know, the, the wide range. Um, and then you can crop in easily. Oh, that was a perfect combo. I was glad to see you switch the other camera body with the smaller sensor off to have that because it just gives you that capability for more reach. Yeah. And I know that, you know, almost everybody out there has a teleconverter. And I, I know from decades of field experience that the 1.4s have always had a thumbs up for, you know, not affecting image quality too much. The two times, questionable. Right. Um, I And when you took it off, I, I would have done the same thing because I've, and I'm not trying to, say anything negative about this but i've never owned a teleconverter but um mm. my teleconverter has always been my running Your shoes feet. Yeah. yeah but in a situation like this there was no way to physically get right. closer and, and and of course we want to maintain as much a distance as we can but if it's going to compromise yeah. image quality with the teleconverter then i avoid it and would in this situation take more advantage of the large sensor and in, in crop and I, I thought that was really cool this yeah switched out. it made a lot of sense to me so that setup was perfect for for that application in the states you're supposed to maintain a hundred yard distance from any raptor nest mm. um or eagle nest specifically and in the location that we were at the powers that be even well, extended just, that range a little bit and which is and rightfully though. so yeah they it just it dropped off to the point that if yep. if you and i'm not recommending people put pressure on an animal by not having a teleconverter i'm just saying i accept yeah. where i'm at with it not yeah. to compromise image quality is my one and only reason not to apply a teleconverter to my equipment but in this in this situation the topography dropped off right where we yeah, were yeah dropped off really steep and if anybody yep. was to go closer the angle to the nest wouldn't have made sense anyway right you'd You'd have been shooting sharply, just uh, yeah. vertical. You'd almost. never see the yeah. little ones. No, no, you wouldn't. Right. So I think you were in a perfect spot and had a great setup, and I think that's a winning combination for that because of the yeah, sensor it worked, size. It worked and, out well. And just unfortunately, the the mate didn't come back for the flight shot. But we may be up there again, and and who knows? Who but, knows? Yeah. But it was fun to to watch them and see. Well, the and I shot that nest last year with video. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted that same shot, right? Because a stagnant scene with the eagle and eaglets on the nest is cool but right you want to see that other eagle coming in for video especially yeah. right you want to have that movement and i think i probably sat there on two or three different days for two or three different hours each time mm -hmm. just to wait for that one and did you get it yeah 
Yeah, and you know, you know, they start cackling to each other. Right. Yep. And so you know. And then oftentimes it's hard to find them. Find that other one. It's like, where, 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 where? Yeah, you won't see it. You might as well just stay on the nest. And mm-hmm. and I had some help. A couple other people are there shooting when I was shooting last mm-hmm. year. And we would all just kind of scan the sky, just constantly looking. But then when they do come in, which is cool, oftentimes the eagle that's on the nest will leave. Right. And then the other eagle comes in. And the other eagle, the one that flew off the nest, would never take off. It would just go to another branch. Mm-hmm. Or another snag somewhere close by. So then you can work on it for a little bit. And then yeah. the other one usually just takes off. So, yeah, we should probably try that one or two times. Right. We could fill the trip with just the rest of the trip with just eagles, coyotes, and moose. If we wanted to. And lynx. I, I think, and lynx. I think we <laughs> and wolves. And, a and maybe more, a few bears. A few more bears might be good. Cubs. <laughs> given that, Given that it's... Bear mating season, and, right? Right. Um, I still, still haven't, haven't seen, seen a grizz. A, yeah. I I I had a I had a couple of successful grizzly shoots before you came. You saw a grizz. Yeah, yeah. but I would I would love to have more opportunity to that, and I we have yet to see a mating pair of grizzlies. And you know, I was fortunate to have a couple of really good sh- shoots with a couple of female grizzlies, but don't have a really big boar yet. And those animals are amazing. They're mm-hmm. so photogenic so impressive and their claws are so long and if they happen to walk across a a rocky slope or something i mean that's those are the images and experience and video that i dream about so i'm i'm fingers across that we still have that opportunity at at some point in a we've got time situation we've we've had a great trip already but we've got several days left so let's hope hope the only thing is we've got to go to certain areas for certain i mean there's crossover everywhere right you could see a grizz anywhere we're at but there's these areas that you can go to where it's just well, just from all the better. times we've been up here, yeah, it's been a lot of leg work, a lot of driving, a lot of field work and glassing over, over all these years that we've been in this profession that we've kind of figured out, you know, when we do these trips, if we're new somewhere, you know, well, think about it this yeah. way: if you showed up, it would take a while. You'd find stuff because just by looking hard, you do. Right. But you know, it's all these years of of travel and effort up here that we we kind of know these regions within uh you know um, an hour of driving travel on these back roads in any given direction where we're likely to find some things and they do overlap but so we we purposefully you know think about what we want to try to find and go for it and and well and when you guys were doing the coyotes yesterday i was out there looking for grizz Mm -hmm. yeah and i talked to another photographer who had just seen him you know, so I'm minutes away from seeing them, and then of course I spend the rest of the afternoon and don't. So it's it's a luck thing too, right? It's oh, just absolutely. Yeah. So much habitat. Right place, right time. To disappear. Yeah. And oh. you know you're within a quarter of a mile of, of a grizzly bear. You just know it, just from other people saying, "Well, he was just here or just there, or whatever," and you just. Yeah, it's thick up here. I mean. Oh. It's like a it's like a, a carpet. lot of wilderness and yep. just like and they travel a lot. Yeah. They cover a lot of ground. Like you had said the first day, we ran into another photographer that that first full day that we had out here, and they hadn't seen anything at all. And we went right back to where they were, and sure enough, had a couple successful shoots. So, yeah, you're three steps out of the timber <laughs> from seeing or not. And Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, that easily. Um, any of these animals, even, mm-hmm. even though some of them, like moose, are huge. Right. can disappear in seconds 
mm-hmm. be t- behind some big thicket or, f- or trees or just a valley mm-hmm. in the forest. So yeah, it's there's a lot of luck to it. And all my years, I've I've found that you know if if I'm going to high points or driving back roads or looking for wildlife, I may travel, you know, five miles down the road or something. It's worth going back and looking again. Not you don't just drive somewhere and sit and wait for a few hours because give time for something to come out because it could have just been behind a bush. Mm-hmm. You know, there've been over all these years, I'll turn around and go a quarter of a mile and, and something's out that wasn't there when I just driven past. But so. that's that's the thing that kills you as a photographer, though, too, right? Because you'll commit to somewhere and then you're constantly second-guessing yourself. Because if yeah. it's not happening right away, you're like, oh, should I go back? What should if? I do this? Right. You're always looking. Or should I go forward? You can't, or should you I go have, back? You just have to go. You can't you no. second-guess too much. It's hard. But yeah, it's really hard. And but then sometimes that. you do hold your guns, and then you're, and then it happens right where you're at. It's just, yeah. it's always been that thing with me. And then if you're, if you're like, if if you guys split up, and I split, or you know, Missy and I go somewhere else. I'm, my back back of my mind is, is well, did they find it? I haven't heard from them. I haven't seen them. Maybe I should go find them because they might be on something. And then right. you guys are probably thinking the same, same thing. thing. Yep. So you, uh, it's Keeps just like, on it's, our toes. It's one of those <laughs> things where it's just. But that's since exciting. you can't predict it and you don't know, you just you got to keep working. Yeah, it, it makes it exciting. And especially when you hear the story. Yeah. You know, and you get with all the good experiences we've had and continue to have with the effort, we can we can get over the stories we hear that we missed, but we want to hear them. Right. Oh right. yeah. yeah. So it gets to the point where, you know, if one of us is somewhere in a different area and, and we've missed that for whatever reason, um, I still love hearing it and the success yeah. for you. Right. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I don't get upset about missing it because no. we get our own turns because mm-hmm. we all try hard. But you're right. You can't be everywhere. And if, if you have that mindset where it's like, oh, I missed that one. I missed this one. You just can't. There's no. A, there's enough good stuff that happens. I don't ever get yeah. bummed out when somebody else gets something like that. Right. You know, but I do get bummed out when I am just second guessing myself, you know, where you're like, and if you're out photographing by yourself, if I'm in Rocky Mountain National Park or if I'm in Denali by myself, it's like, should I go there? Should I go there? Should I stay here? Should we stay another five minutes on the Eagles? Yeah. Should we? Should I go do this? (laughs) Should I go do this? Yeah. Yeah. There's no way on earth to know, right? No. We could have had the Eagle in five minutes or it could have been another three hours. Right. (laughs) And we were running out of daylight, and we had another objective to try and accomplish. So yeah, but that's it's. It, I equate it a lot of times when people ask you, it's it's like panning for gold, right? Because mm-hmm. you never know when that next nugget's going to show up, and you just you, and that's what keeps you into it. That's what keeps it fun. That's what keeps it. Did you see somebody doing that up here in the North Country? Panning for gold. Yeah, because we're getting up here where we are right now, way up in in I've Northern Canada. I've often thought it'd be fun to carry a pan because with us. well i have a question you told <laughs> you told me a story yesterday that has me quite suspicious about the authenticity of this story and, and i know ron has a question to follow up i've on. got a follow-up okay. yeah you were parked at the end of this road and you said a cowboy came past now oh right <laughs> part of canada we're in i mean it's it could happen you know there are people taking their horses here and there there are no ranches near us but you know it could happen and so you said the guy had chaps on. No, no chaps. No chaps. No. Okay. So how was how would you identify him as this cowboy? What well, was he it's typical cowboy getup, right? And oh. we're from Wyoming, Colorado. Yeah, I mean, right. they're all everywhere. Wranglers with creases in the front, right? Okay. 
not cowboy boots, but not work boots, the okay. in-between boot. Right. Uh, button-down shirt, yeah. tucked in. Yeah, yeah. You know, full uh, full sleeves. Long sleeves. Right. Not half, you know, that's what cowboys wear. Didn't have a cowboy hat, but had a ball cap, which they do that too. Okay. Had this big leather belt, big belt buckle, and had a leatherman. Not your typical leatherman sheath. It was actually a custom-made leather sheath for his for his leatherman. Okay. And he goes walking by us at the end of this road. Into the woods. Going down this trail, and I and I can see that trail going up this far ridge, and I, I don't know, five minutes in, past. Into wilderness. Like, there, we it, don't know of anything in no, there. No, there's nothing. I don't think there. I, I haven't never been all the way I, down. I've been to where he was at, and I've never been any further, so I don't know where that trail goes. From my understanding, the next stop is the Yukon. <laughs> Could be. Right? <laughs> Could be. Okay. And I don't know what this guy was doing. I mean, maybe... I didn't stick around to see if he came out. Right. I mean, I left. So you, you saw a pioneer ghost. That very <laughs> could be, you know that. I, uh, yeah. it, it does make sense to get on this trail and you see him walk as far as he did into wilderness, no pack, no like, no, no tent under his no. arm, no, right, and no. off he goes and. That's that. I, well, you know, there was. That's I, it's just interesting. I'm just poking no, a little fun. Yeah, at you no, here. I was. It very well could have been a. You know, right. I was kind of like half asleep, anyways. Maybe it was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. No, I was just shocked because right? I thought, well, this guy's just going to walk down here and probably just. You know, he came from somewhere where I couldn't see. He could have been right. in another vehicle, way somewhere right. else, and was just getting some exercise. I don't know, but the exercise yeah. and what he was wearing, they would right. normally be on a horse. I don't know. Yeah, well, that, that was, was a funny that story. That was my question because Mark was relaying the story to me because I didn't hear it, and my question was, did he still have his spurs on? <laughs> <laughs> no spurs. I don't know. I don't know. He's just yeah. No, it's interesting. There's so much history in in the old school history up in these wilderness areas. So I just wanted to spin that out there and make make a little fun. But Maybe. it does. But the, it's a riddle. We don't know what no. was going on there. No. It doesn't make sense from what we no. what you saw. And and I didn't have that feeling of oh this is I better watch out you know this is a shady looking character look like a totally right. respectable just cowboy type Every you know cowboy guy. types they're yeah. just nice yeah. people you know they just salt of the earth you know I just was like oh, absolutely yeah look this, at this is dude. not a negative comment at no, all no it's just an interesting know, no exactly observation. I'm just, but I but I wasn't even you know nothing you know I was not questioning anything that right. I saw other than. Huh, I wonder where this guy's going. And then all of a sudden I see him take off into the woods. And then I'm like, hmm, no, I'm really kind of interested. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe he's going to go down. Because there's a lake right there. Right. So I thought, well, maybe he's just looking around the lake. But then he went past the lake and up the ridge. And I'm like, oh. and, you know, he was a dot when I last saw him. So He's serious about this. He might still yeah. be out there. Well, oh, no, he might be in the Yukon. Right. In about three weeks. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> so. If he makes it past the grizzly bears. Right. And the wolves. Well, I'm sure he and will. And the wolverines. The grizzly bears and the wolves and the wolverines will let him pass. <laughs> they don't mind. It's all part of the it's rugged, all part of the rugged game. country. And, and it sounds like he would fit right in with the rugged country. Yeah. I, walked with swagger. That's a great comment to lead into the next subject. So we left the Eagle Nest and we traveled, uh, say, I don't know, another 20 minutes driving down this back road and we found yeah, Mr. That. Swagger. Well, Mike, yeah, Mike and Missy had him pegged mm -hmm. down before we, yeah. Yeah, he was just coming, well. What a beautiful black bear. Yeah. After our morning hike, I mm -hmm. saw a bear. Mm -hmm. 
and I think it was the same bear way up at the end of this road. He traveled a lot of country to and we, that yeah. point. So he came from there all the way to where we caught him this afternoon, and he'd already been so that I would don't know be, how many kilometers. Right, so what would you say? I'd say that, I mean, I, I didn't map it out. Would that be 15 kilometers? I would say 10 to 15 kilometers that yeah. he put on since the morning to come back down. Mm -hmm. Down this roadway, yeah. And then we stayed with him for... So he, he's walking, it's the easiest travel corridor down this back road, and, and he's looking for mates, right? Mm -hmm. He's snacking a little bit along the way, but mostly he's just walking, looking for the scent of a, of a female in heat because it's black bear mating season. And he's a magnificent bear. And what was, he had a lot of character. He had swagger. He was scent marking. He was stomping his front feet into the ground, which is a way they deposit scent to leave a scent trail for potential mates. But he is also a fighter. Scrappy. He's he's a boss man because he had evidence. The of side that. of his eye, you know, the one side. Scratches, cuts. Just, yeah. I mean, he's still he was total, totally healthy, but you could tell he he had a serious confrontation with another yeah. boar over a female at some point not too long ago. So he had a lot of character to him. So it was fun to photograph him and, and be in his presence for the end of the day today. Yeah, and I got video to and check one more item off the list. And what item was that? I, I know what it was, but I... But Getting them scent marking on right? the tree. Yeah. Now, you guys, did you guys... Get, I was going to ask you, did you get that? Yeah, it, we were... I mean, were you at the right spot? We had an opening. He There's looked, a narrow window between the trees where he stood yeah, up. and He looked and right at us. Awesome. Momentarily. Yep. Yeah, because they stick their head way back he was, and, yeah. and, and pull it. So it was maybe, uh, you know, a 10-foot spruce tree, right? So they can manipulate a bit. They can make it sway. Sometimes they reach up and pull it down, mm -hmm. and they bite on it, that kind of stuff. But it happened fast. It, it was I wasn't very, even looking very quick. at him. I was looking at my camera, and I looked up, and he was in the middle of his business. I'm like, then. S sniffing, and then. So right before up. that, yeah. so you guys are ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a little bit, I was probably 20 yards behind you. And, and he was, and you guys couldn't see what he was doing, but he, he went up to this little, small, little, like, spruce that was half dead. And he'd been on a march, right? Yes. So he had been on a march and wasn't stopping for anything. He would eat maybe just every 50 steps he'd eat something. Right. But it probably it had to be look really good to him or something yeah, because he just was not thinking. Sure. Yeah, he yeah. was. Which are many moon. up there in this high country. Right? No. Yeah. Right. So. so he got to this little bush, and he gave it some time. So he had spent, you know, on the move, and then he got to this little bush, and he probably was there for 30 or 40 seconds just stuck and sniffing it, sniffing it, sniffing it. And I, that thought went through my mind. I'm like, is he going to go and scent mark this? Because he caught some scent here, and it must be a female because he just was totally into it, and it wouldn't be a typical male scent spot. And then, sure enough, he went up on his Good hind call. legs, and right, yeah. But I was in the right spot. But I'm so glad you a guys were. Tip, you yeah. know, just like when I when a when a moose or an elk or a whitetail puts its head down and sniffs where get a female went, it might have urinated. Yep. Get ready for lip curl. This is very similar where he stopped, and obviously there was now very you've done likely. bears before, oh, tons of times. So right. is that typical? I would believe. Yeah, what you said makes total sense, and it's a great observation to share with listeners who are interested in bear behavior and. Yeah, you just see because that. Because scent marking is an iconic image for these big mm. boars to be able to get them standing up. And that's what they're doing, right? They're mm -hmm. scent marking. They're rubbing their back on a tree and depositing that. And they're, they, 
always are urinating at the same time. It's this whole process I go through as part of a display. And I mean, urine is part of a scent pheromone um, template that these males and females of all these species use um, for mammals for attraction during their mating season. So it's common for that mm -hmm. to take place. That's how they find each other because their olfactory senses blow ours away, right? A thousand right. times better and they pick up on that. And you could see him every now and then. He would, you know, he was definitely head down. Going. Going. But every now and then he'd put his head up and he'd just take those big old whiffs just trying to pick up whatever he could pick up. Now, is that female going to follow him? So that ha that, with, that will occur both is that ways. What, it's going to go both ways? He Well, she's in heat for a short period of time, so it's in her best interest to find a mate just as well as the male. So they do seek each other out. And bears are, live in such big country, you know, and the populations aren't thick right they have to find each other They're, they don't live in the vicinity or share space usually throughout the year so they need to find each other so that's why this bear covers so much ground today looking for female scent and she will do the same and other mammals do that too um, females will seek out males when it comes to that close to their heat cycle and they have you know 48 hours to be successfully mated with uh, bears might be a little bit longer than that but not a whole lot so yeah, it goes both ways, but boars are in the game longer. That's the difference, too. So if a sow is only in heat for, or females in heat for two or three days kind of thing, she's only interested in finding a mate then, whereas he's going to stay for the whole mating season, which could be, you know, two, three weeks long at peak because not all the females come into heat at once because they can't all find a mate at once. It doesn't, right. doesn't benefit the species. So since that's staggered, um, males stay in the game much longer. So they're searching a lot more. And, and then, like you said the other day, multiple female or one female will try to find multiple males for black for bears for, especially yes yeah yeah for other large mammals it's usually the most dominant most fit male that they will breed with it does it does sometimes occur where another male will displace that one due to dominance to have a fight and take over that female whether it's a moose or a whitetail elk are different we can get into this so elk are different too because they harem and some moose the alaska yukon subspecies harem so that's a different mating strategy than the individuals but if we're looking at individuals like the way bears behave the uh, males will stay with that one and tend that one female for her uh, heat cycle unless they're displaced when it comes to other large mammals bears being the exception where because of their slower mating strategy these other Large mammals reproduce annually. Bears do not. It's every two or three years. So it's to their genetic advantage to have more than one mate for the, the offspring. So they're likely to have two or three cubs, um, especially for a mature sow. You know, a young sow on her first um, pregnancy might just have one. But then the next time around, she might have two, and then it'll continue with two or three. Um, so it's So they have more than one father for the genetic diversity of the species, given that they reproduce more slowly. So, and then if a male bear finds a female bear that has cubs, a lot of times that bear will go after the cubs, right, to bring that mom into heat. They will virtually always try, if given the opportunity, to to remove those cubs, to kill but those cubs. From what you're saying, it could be that that male is killing his own offspring because he doesn't know, right? Yeah. So yeah. it wouldn't be like a, a African lion that kind of knows his, his pride right his pride's there and he knows that he's had that pride for x number of years and are his offspring so he protects them but bears don't but because there are a number of bears in the area and again they're not thick they have to find each other and it's over many miles or kilometers to find a mate um the odds are still that 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 offspring is not his mm. you know it could be and that, right. i'm sure that mistake does occur um 
in these somewhat rare cases that they're able to get the cubs. It does happen every year, and that female will come into heat, and then he will have the opportunity to breed with her and fertilize her, knowing that it's his genetics. But, yeah, there's no way of but him he knowing know. that those those one-year-old or two-year-old cubs are his, but the, the odds are if there are two or three cubs, they're not all his. So it's an interesting thing, you know. It, it is. It, it helps as an individual to propel their genetics. But as a species, the mating structure is to, you know, protect the species for its slow reproduction. But, yeah, males will do that. So females avoid males at all costs. And they and for when they have cubs. When they have cubs. When they yeah. have cubs. That's right. They tree the cubs. Um, I've witnessed with grizzly bears, even in autumn in, in Alaska or the Yukon, where where you can see, right, it's open open tundra on the edge of the Tagig bush and you and you can see for as long as the topography will allow and I've seen a boar come up uh, that would be upwind of a sow and cub and could be a quarter of a mile away and when that sow scents that boar and doesn't necessarily even have a sight line she stands up on her hind feet she looks around and she's gone and are cover gone the opposite direction. They won't take that risk. So they're very protective and cautious and very aware of that danger. But it does occur. I mean, it occurred uh, in in the area we're filming this week. It occurred uh, two years ago uh, with a black bear sow that had cubs of the year, and she lost them to this boar. Speculation has it. Uh, nobody right. saw it happen. She had the cubs. He He arrived in the vicinity, and within a day, the cubs are gone. Given that it was more than one cub, it wasn't likely accidental. You know, it wasn't like a high fall from a tree right. or a creek crossing. It got swept away or something like it could have been one cub. Since since both cubs were gone, speculation was it could be the boar because it wasn't that long after that they were a couple and, and breeding. But I think you're right. It's pretty infrequent. Uh, yes, it is. It's just something that can happen, and, and it's very interesting biologically. And there are other species that, that do it as well. I mean, even loons have been witnessed doing it where... A loon will, a male will drown another male, and then drown the offspring, and and then and then take over with the mate. You know, so. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Turkeys as well. Toms will destroy the nest, and in hopes of putting them back, or having the opportunity to breed again. I hadn't heard that too. So see, yeah, it, it yep. it's interesting. But there's just so much to all of this stuff, you know. And I've been doing it for 20 years, and I I learn oh. stuff every day. I don't want to toot a horn. So, yeah, I was going to say, as a part of the team. Just just like (laughs) an hour before podcast launch for tonight, in this technical world of emails, I got notification that my Moose Book won first place for the Outdoor Writers of Canada National Award Book of the Year. So I appreciate that from those those people, uh, the judges and the people at Outdoor Writers of Canada. But that wasn't it. Keep it going. Well, that's the big one. There were a few more, too. Yeah, there were first and second place in the wildlife photography category. And, uh, yeah. Imagine that. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it was good. And we're only allowed to enter two pieces, too. But it was good. That's awesome. It's the first year I've entered this this contest um, for a variety of reasons. I've been a member of this organization for a long time, being an outdoor writer. And uh, with busy lifestyles, and I just hadn't got around to... Submitting, and I wish I had for other years. You know, my previous whitetail book, I would have loved to have had that considered. And I write quite a few articles each year, and and lots of photographs out there. So, anyway, it it, it made my night for the moose book, and it made my night that these other ones were recognized, given that it's the first time I tried. 
So will they have an, a, so, like an award more than ceremony? Might, of course. That you'll go to, like at the end of the year where they have a, or a middle of the year? You know, in, in this situation, no, um, because there are memberships dispersed across the country. Oh. There, are, there are meetings. It used to be an annual meeting in some really great, wild location in Canada that, um, that could accommodate it. But uh, I think it's every three years or so now. Um, there were other, uh, there was another magazine, uh, this one was a magazine awards, uh, national magazine awards. It covers all categories of magazines that I uh, won a second place at a number of years ago. And I've had like six honorable mentions, which is a real coup because it covers all categories of magazines. That one is a big gala that takes place in downtown Toronto. It's always hosted by somebody who's relatively famous and the room is full of people drinking fancy wine and finger foods and it is a f fancy dress it up kind of night but you meet a lot of people in the industry uh, through all kinds of various publications and, and different subjects so that was something that meant a lot to me as well to have all of these honorable mentions because it's really hard to do with the volume of entries that come in right and then to get a second place finish there a few years ago was was a big deal but what was interesting is so the magazine has to enter that contest not the author or the photographer and they did this, and, and I kept getting the honorable mentions every year right on the edge. Again, it was a huge honor because of the breadth of content for this whole industry. Um, but then, yeah, they kept every year. It's like right when they were announcing the first place, because it was only the first place that would go up on the stage to accept mm -hmm. the award. The rest are given out at a table or a room in, in the, in the, by the auditorium after. So, yeah, all the guys and, and ladies that worked at, at this magazine that, that I've done a lot of work with for a long time um, at Door Canada uh, were right there. And every year it's like, this is it. Get ready. Mark's going up. Uh, so close every time. But I was so, so it meant so much just to, to be there and to get the honorable mention and, and to get no, the second. No, it's still so, good, right? Yeah. So that, that was a gala that was a whole different kind of experience. And with Outdoor Writers of Canada membership, which is tonight's uh, news, good news that I received. It's just spread across the country so much that uh, it's just shared with the membership through an email that way. And then the awards, I think, given this is the first year I, I applied, I know there's plaques that are sent out and then uh, some kind of, I think, monetary reward, but I'm, that hasn't been received yet and being my first year. I'm not sure how, how that is. Well, the only reason I was asking yeah. is because I want to put something on the show notes, and if you get a plaque or if you get a certificate or you get whatever, let's just right. put it on there so you can, wow. you know, and maybe a copy of the article, I mean, just a, a screenshot or something just so sure. they can see where it came from. Because that's cool. It's super it, cool. It, you know, this Moose book, in 25 years of being a professional photographer and, and writer, it's, it's my favorite body of work. And, you know, I've been appreciative for everything. Every image that gets published means a lot to me in this business. And, and it, it feeds my soul and, and what I do for passion. But the Moose book, I am most proud of that one piece of work. So to have it recognized means a lot to me. Yeah. And You can tell that that was a labor of love for sure. And, and you're not going to go out even in a year, even if you put yourself out there in every season, decades. It took to put all that together. A I'm, lot of behavioral ones, yeah. yeah. But that's that's what grew the knowledge, right? It mm -hmm. was decades of interactions with these amazing animals, observing them from season to season and, and their, all their behavior. And mm -hmm. um, a lot of research went into the content as well. But um, it was it's well, I think what makes a publication like this interesting are the anecdotal stories of the experiences, just like our podcast, what happens in the field, these amazing things that we get to witness. And you know, the podcast is now facilitating this with this new technology that 
we have we can share right. that with everybody they can come along with us because we have an osmo where we're filming it and we're we have all these platforms we can present it on and so um, i think that's the most appealing part of our profession for people i know all my family and friends love hearing the stories and, and i think the book for me like you say is a labor of love because i'm able to weave that in at all these years of of interactions and share the highlights of, of my time in moose country and and they're such a cool animal you know they're weird and cool they're weird looking but they're so well designed evolutionarily <laughs> and mm -hmm. and they're so iconic you know the connection to wilderness in the north across the globe right um, so and so much history and and they're unique you know and then you have the antler thing where every bull looks different and it's completely a, different yeah it's it's a complex life cycle and then the world they live in and the predator prey thing and the, the seasons the climates the mountains mm -hmm. the habitat so all that i just love telling that story and the book allowed me to do that and then select my favorite work uh photographic work from all those years to complement that yeah well so congratulations thank you yep. thank you i won't it's keep coming awesome. on about it i just no, want to explain good. why it meant something no and i no, think this absolutely. is a good platform to put it out there i mean because you want more and more people to see that book so and the more we can talk about it and put it out there, the better. That's great. Well, I think anybody who has any interest in moose would, would take a lot away from it, honestly. And, oh, and, yeah. And enjoy it visually and, and the stories and the writing. And, you know, there's there's some interest, a lot of interesting aspects to it. And I'm not just saying that because it's my book. I, I mean, I, no, I, 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 I collect all kinds of books from, you know, I have a lot of esteemed colleagues and friends in this profession, and I love all the content out there. And, and there are lots of good books, but it, when it comes to... You know this moose book in particular. I'm I'm very happy with how it came together, and the job the publisher Firefly Books did, and and uh, how how it looks, uh, the reproductions, everything. You know. Yeah. So What's the next book? Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you got you. I know you have like four or five ideas out there. Oh you just yeah, all the ideas are there, and and they're percolating. Which one's gonna land? Well, I'm just I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the offer. You know, I've put I put the proposals out there. I keep them going. It's part of business. It's part of marketing. As mm -hmm. a photographer, as a writer, it's always have things coming along. You know, because we need that we right. source of right. income. This is what we do, and allows us to do these trips and so on. So I need to have proposals out there. Get a bunch of them out there, and hopefully get a couple of bites and have the opportunity to produce something else in the not too distant future. But I I do have some ideas I'm very excited about. But until I get I've the, heard them until I get the. Uh, I get the green light, you know, then I'll be happy to share that. All right. I don't want to say it because if it's not coming out, you know, right, right, right away, right, right. then. Well, I think time. just the fact that you got in several time. in the works is good. You yeah. know, that's what I was getting at more than anything. Sure. Yeah, There's always, always something. Yeah. And this year I'm having fun with this too, right? And it takes me, I mean, there's so much research in doing a book. A lot of the anecdotal stories are in my mind because they've been experienced over the years. And the images are, are there for most of my proposals already. So they're ready to go, but it still takes a month or six weeks of buckle down time to really do the quality job. And it's just, there's me, you know, my wife is a amazing editor, a wordsmith beyond my capabilities. And, and so she goes through it with me and, and helps. So to do that's a time commitment. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more books, but at the same time, I'm having a lot of fun with this podcast and, and what we're able to share and, and the mediums that we can present it in. And the books are a good thing, but absolutely and i hope books are around for a long time to come because there's nothing like just sitting down and reading a book and looking at visuals and, and the calm focus of that for people but uh this podcast potential is 
incredible now what we can take people on visually with our stories but you know with these with these short segments we're filming and the visuals so well we got to get out of here but i got one last thing okay. i uh i got away from books for a long time other than photography books or, or like the moose book i mean it's all the photography that really builds it up right mm. well just the other day in the airport i bought a magazine because i just i just wanted to read you know so i think i don't think they'll ever go away I guess that's my point. Oh, I don't think they will either. I think there's there's it's, this place for it. They're, they're just cool, mm-hmm. you know? Well, yeah, there's something about, you know, here we are, in a, we're staying in a log cabin, you know? If the days weren't so long, so if we were here in the autumn, when it, you know, if it's dark at 6 p.m., we've got an evening, and we're going to tell stories, of course, but maybe there's, you know, the books around, there's time to relax and get into that, mm-hmm. which I do. On, my, uh, on autumn trips that I end up going on myself, I usually put a book in, that I plan or do that I plan to read on those week or 10 days, at least have that option if there's any downtime due to inclement weather or if it's dark at night, right? It's shorter days. So I think those should be around for a long time. But I just know the power of the internet, the the immediate ability to share so much content. Right. And that's why, you know, I alluded to that, you know, I'm devoting a lot of time this year to having fun with the podcast and the fun that we're having. And so for day three, in the Northern Rockies, we've got to give a big thumbs up for more fun wildlife encounters today, right? Oh, yeah. And so we're going to get to bed because it's another short night. Well, we need to get to bed, but we also have to come up with our plan for tomorrow. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So we'll sign off, and we will hope to have another exciting – well, we will have another exciting podcast for you tomorrow on the report. The question is what we'll see or, or how much the weather seems like it'll be like today and be favorable. So fingers crossed. We'll have some more exciting wildlife encounters that we'll share uh, for you with the audio podcast. Uh, but we encourage you as well to go to our website, wildandexposed.com, where you can see the links, the show notes, and see the visuals, whether they're photographs or video clips that were collected today. We'll also be putting up uh, short videos on our our Instagram and our social media feeds that way too. And the link to your book. And link to my book. Well, that's where they can buy it. The award-winning. The award-winning now. book. Right. The yes. award-winning book can be found virtually anywhere. It can be found. <laughs> Most booksellers carry it. Uh, it's on Amazon for the easiest of orders. Um, it could be ordered signed from through my website. And that's a very easy process. So it's just markraycroft.com. And you can find the books page. And you click on the book. And you order the book. And we will mail you a signed copy. And uh, even if you're not a big reader, the imagery in that book is stunning thank you so, yeah, yeah. I, i've been fortunate to, to film a lot of magnificent moose over these over the years so it's been a lot of fun producing um and you can find all of our our connections to our website too to our social media and wildandexposed.com and we have that on on the internet or sorry on instagram late night um <laughs> yeah well just to let people know it's midnight and uh we're recording this at midnight and we're going to get up at six right but th- it's not just that we're we're, we're doing it every day all day yeah. in fresh right. air and hiking which is great fun no complaints love it but we're tired and and yeah a little a little relaxed in in the cranium this time of night that way <laughs> um you can also whatever platform that you're tuning in and enjoying our podcast on, please give us a positive review, whether it's five stars or a thumbs up that helps us to continue to do what we're very passionate about. And if you have any comments or questions, or if there's any content that you would like to see, if we would cover in future podcasts, please feel free to send us a note through our website and we'd be happy to do what we can in that regard. Or email Duran directly. Or email Duran directly. <laughs> All right. 
And, uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in for day three in the Northern Rockies of this adventure that we're on, of this 10-day trip, and we'll have another one coming your way tomorrow. Until then, enjoy the outdoors and have a good night.